Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, The Last of Us, and King Domino Origins. This is staying in. I have a new pet peeve. It's very, very specific. It's very nuanced, but it is still a pet peeve. And I know that we should be of the mindset to just let these worrisome clouds just float on by and let the thoughts enter our minds and drift on by and leave our minds. No, I say dwell. I say dwell, really. Sit on it. <laughs> Two very different schools of thought. And to not, quote-unquote, sweat the small stuff. Ah, uh, Confucius. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Confucius say... Verbatim. Don't sweat the small stuff. But can I say that the... The torment that four times concentrated squash has caused in my oh dear. household yeah. is um, is beyond the pale, really. Immediately, I have a thought. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my, my initial thought: you're introducing the concept of uh, four times concentrated squash. I'm not. I'm not introducing it. It exists. Yeah, yeah but in, you're introducing it into this forum. This forum, before mm-hmm. you said that, was four times concentration squashless. And alas, now it is here. Welcome to hell, then. But I don't understand why it's hell. Because the, the whole idea of squash is that you choose how much you put in and you choose the amount of di- kind of dilution. Now, I want to be very clear here to international listeners, because I don't know if they have squash abroad. Mm, um, it does feel like a British thing, doesn't it? It feels like a very British thing. Yeah. Yeah. Shall I just, I'll just do a quick cursory search. Squash in America. Squash in America. Um, they call it fruits, fruit syrup or flavoured syrup. Okay, basically. so we, we mix that with water and we drink it as for some reason. So, um, so what you're saying is there is now a, a squash that is four times as strong as normal squash. Yes. And that this is causing some sort of upset and disruption to your household. I think I think it's only because by the time that these were released, I'd only just got used to uh, double strength, right? And then, and then they jumped straight over that triple strength, and then they jumped straight over triple to go to quadruple. Yeah, it's like when the iPhone went from iPhone eight to iPhone ten. Yeah, it's exactly like that. But now, yeah, it's become a whole game of trying to judge really how much cordial like I need. And sometimes, I'm not going to lie, I put too much in, have mm. a really strong cordial, but then know I can go back four times without having to put more cordial in. Like, So there's a little bit of convenience there mm. in terms of the, the 4X. Hang, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. That We need to dig into that little system you've developed <laughs> there. Because what you're basically saying is, you're, pra- you're to begin with, you're, you're yeah. drinking yeah. neat cordial. No, not neat, just incredibly strong. Mm. As you make space in the glass, why not just get a bigger glass? Oh, it's already a pint. How how bigger do you want to go? Why not pour in less, Dan, is where you should have gone with this first, <laughs> not get a bigger glass. <laughs> true. You are very right there. That that should have been, yeah. I mean, my mind knew that. Is it, it, my golden rule is if it's runny, it probably could take a few bits more of water. If it's runny... It I think we need to sit on that little uh, nugget. Hang on, hang on. If it's <laughs> if it's runny, give it more water. If if you put loads of cordial in there, it's going to be this thick, gloopy, viscous syrup that's not going to flow. It's just going to run like honey. 
by the sounds of no, it. I, what kind of cordial are you buying? That's like honey. I don't own. I don't buy cordial, so I don't really know. I don't own cordial. I don't. I, <laughs> I haven't drunk it in you know in a while, but like the the quadri- I think personally, there's a bigger issue here, Pete and Dan. I think subconsciously, Sam mm. wants to go solo with the pod. <laughs> That's what I think it is. Why? What? Us four. <laughs> yeah. We're concentrated. It's we're just too much for him. He wants to go solo. He wants to go back to how it was before. Just him on what, his own. You think you think this is his clever, yep. subtle way of saying yep. In two years' time, this this is gonna we'll look back yep. at this moment where Sam introduced the idea of four is a bad number. Pet peeve, Pete. Yeah, no, you're right. He said pet peeve it. Oh, don't you just hate it when there's four, four or something? Anything. <laughs> <laughs> Castle Main 4X, Trebor 4X. Oh, rubbish. He's he's already established kind of he also had a bit of a disdain for the double strength. So even going down as as far as 2, that's that's still not right for him. He he wants to I think Chris you're right. He wants to go solo. Yeah. He wants to he wants to stay out is what he wants to do. So was 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 this squash born bought by accident? It's the only it's really the only squash you can get now. Really? Like it's it's really like you know that quote from Jurassic Park where scientists. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what it is. Scientists spent too long thinking if they could, then it didn't stop to think if they should. Yes, they were just like, right, we've got two times. Why stop there? I mean, there is an environmental part to it. Like there is like you use less plastic. You have to put less squash in a bottle. You instead of buying four bottles of squash, it's like Zaflora. I only, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I only need to buy now one bottle of squash. Now, I've got to admit, the, you, the 4X is the only kind of squash you can buy now. Sounds an awful lot like, you can't say Christmas these days. It sounds an <laughs> well, awful no. lot like, <laughs> like, like, because like, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's it's the true. Only squash, it's the only squash you can buy if you want to save a bit of money and do your bit for the planet. <laughs> well, listen, okay, so, so, so okay, let's get to the heart of this because <laughs> we've 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 sort of wandered round the problem here. But now you're saying yeah. that it's caused consternation in the home. Yes. How is it causing consternation in 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 the household here? Like, is it just you're spending too much time worrying about dilution quantities? Or <laughs> he's got like test tubes, <laughs> is it in the in the kitchen, yeah. just measuring out quantities? Every time I go and make a squash, which is which is actually invariably quite rare. Yeah. Like I'm always having to worry about it used to be it used to be um a finger a finger was enough <laughs> and then water. <laughs> but now Put that on a t shirt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but now it's I I can't I, I just can't judge how much I need and my son, who's the biggest consumer of squash in our house. And that's that's really the biggest consternation because he drinks mainly out of um, opaque um, vessels. Sure, cups. Also known as cups. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it makes judging the amount of squash we need to give him incredibly because the last thing we want to do is for him to get some sort of taste for when it's 4X or nothing, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to wean him off that. Chris, um, I want to go and see the new Dungeons and Dragons movie, and I hear you've seen it. Yes, I want to go and see the new Dungeons and Dragons movie. You should, and I hear you've seen it. 
Is it? Is it good? Because the last one was bad. You're talking about the one with Jeremy Irons in it from 2000. Sadly. I didn't see that, but yes, it is good. It is very, very good. <gasps> okay. Sam, I will go and see it with you because I will happily watch All that right. again. Happily watch that Thank again. You. So, yes, so this is Dungeons & Dragons colon Honor Among Thieves um, from Parapa- Paramount Pictures and Entertainment One. Um, <laughs> now, can we not... Hold on. Can we not... <laughs> Call it Dungeons and Dragons colon honor among thieves. Well, the reason I put that there is there is a wonderful line in this film, Pete, where a character says, um, <laughs> and there's basically they're trying to find a secret way into this underground dungeon, and there's this like there's this hole in the ground basically. So, and this person says it with no irony whatsoever. He just says, "Okay, follow me into the orifice." And just jumps <laughs> in. Um, so. Um, so this is oh my word it's a fantasy heist action comedy uh that's <laughs> just come out this year yeah and i'm I'm not going to bury the lead for me what i love about this experience is mm. this is how in my head i imagine an rpg plays out when just all the dice rolls just work there's that sense of tension and trepidation and rather than it being necessarily dragged out over a long period of time when you're kind of rolling the dice and getting those kind of those outcomes um occurring that you suddenly just cut them all together and it just all plays out beautifully and Mm. everyone has their moments and you feel like you've got something to contribute as part of the team individually um so this is a very fun-filled film uh it's not reinventing the wheel in terms of its premise it's a ragtag bunch of people who get together and mm-hmm. go on a quest to do something. I mean, take your pick, Princess Bride, recently, Guardians of the Galaxy. And there's something about that that model, that format that I just really, really love. Um, however, one thing I really, really do love about this that perhaps delineates it from other films that do this is that it's got a really soft core. Like, dare I say it, towards the end of this film, I nearly, a, a tear nearly trickled down my cheek. In a Dungeons and Dragons movie? In a Dungeons and Dragons mm. film? Well, well, this is, the, this is the interesting thing, Pete, because the, um, the, the, the directors behind this actually have a bit of form when it comes to this kind of, oh, really? this kind of film. So their first film was Vacation, which was a reboot slash sequel to the National Lampoon's films. Oh. Um, National Lampoon's um, Vacation, which is actually... A, a a really good like comedy is like a National Lampoon's fan, like they actually make a, an exceptionally good job of of in a way lampooning the lampoon, right? Um, and and paying a lot of honor and respect to that to that sort of um to those previous films. And then their second film was Game Night, yes, which is a film about um, a board game club um, who get embroiled in the, like this this crime caper. Which again was a lot better than it deserved yep. to be. Like a lot, lot better. Like it's an incredible um, comedy. And then, 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 yeah, there's, there's this one. So there's kind of like these, these, the, the two parts of their, of their sort of filmography. Where you got one which is like this long-standing um, brand that has a lot of 
fans and knowledge behind and they deal with that with respect that it deserves but also doing something new with it and then there's almost like this board game yeah this understanding of what it's like to have that kind of board game society that 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 social part of the board game life and it seems like it's just married up nicely with this film yeah no definitely they also wrote spider-man homecoming yes um so that kind of like really razor sharp quick humor in one review i heard it described as the best marvel film that's been released in the last like six or seven years yeah i think that's a really fair assessment yeah genuinely i Hmm. someone like myself tangentially is connected to D &D. very i've never played the game i know of its important significance um i got a real kick out of this um it's set in the fictional city of Neverwinter, which I think is, correct me if I'm wrong, Pete's part of the Forbidden Realms. Correct. Part yeah. in the 60s, yeah. Um, where you've got a ragtag team of thieves. They have to steal something from a corrupt leader and potentially save the world. And it's, I think, one of the reasons why, in that review you just mentioned there, Sam, it's one of the best Marvel films in recent years, is there's no setup to a bigger world outside of this. You get a sense there is a bigger world here. Yeah. But this film ends and there's no post-credits sequence which is trying to hint at a bigger story here. No, it is just one story. And I think from what I can understand with the interview of the directors, if they were to do a sequel, it would be in a different part of D&D with perhaps different characters. Cool. Mm. Because it is a big world to mine rather than a little bit like what the actual RPG is like. And as Sam mentioned, the directors of this film or one of the directors, I think it's uh, Jonathan Goldstein, he started off in Freaks and Geeks back in 2000 where he actually ran a D&D group in there because he, he discovered it at the age of 14, loved it and wanted to create, you know, uh, a kind of a film out of it that really paid homage to that experience of being in, running a D&D mm. campaign and being in a D&D campaign. There are Easter eggs in there throughout. I know because the bloke behind me was just mansplaining to his family. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 that's really interesting because of this, this, this and this. I was I was a little bit nervous that when I, because I, I saw one of the trailers for it and kind of immediately wrote it off. Not because I don't like D&D, like, but I am interested in like things like the Sword Coast, uh, which is like part of that Forgotten Realms. I, I'm interested in things like, Planescape and Dark Sun and 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 lots of weird different um, realms that that happen to be in Dungeons and Dragons and now I believe Magic the Gathering is part of the same universe. I yeah, I heard the was dad it's... behind me talk about WizKids and oh. stuff. He was talking about that. So 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 that's all really cool. And when I saw the trailer for it, I thought this feels to me, like what fifth edition feels like, I think what fifth edition is, i.e. it's people playing 5e together, which is this kind of like slightly video gamey over the top, you're all the hero stuff. And it's not the D&D that I was particularly interested in, and I've always been particularly interested in, of that sort of grim and gritty swords and sorcery that comes from, you know, Conan the Barbarian and and Lords of the Ring, uh, Lord of the Rings, and 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 that sort of thing. But it sounds like maybe it's okay because it was fun. Yeah, there's there's a really interesting balance that this film strikes 
because what tends to happen is when you get a genre that's popular what tends to happen is it swings ultimately to what's what's the best and quickest parody we can do of that genre yeah yeah so mm. um in fantasy the one i can think of off the top of my head is like your highness i think that's the one with um natalie portman and yeah i know the one yeah this actually is a pastiche so it does that difficult thing where it is laugh out loud in places but it's it, it really does stick to its law the spells that are in it are spells from D&D and like you can tell that it's being made with the same kind of love that say Peter Jackson had for Lord of the Rings but it's but that it's been infused with humor um a lot of humor I haven't had a feeling like this since since, since something like probably Guardians uh, Guardians of the Galaxy or The Mummy. It's 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 what Disney has been trying mm. to do with things like um, uh, Jungle Cruise and, and yeah. these kinds of like they're trying to capture that sense of romancing the stone. These kinds of romps, these yeah. you know, these ventures. But actually, this one has done it really really well because it understands when it needs to be serious and it understands when it needs to kind of poke fun at itself a little bit. I think you probably got a little bit of that, though it wasn't perfect. A little bit of that with like the Uncharted movie, which had a similar kind of feel of kind of that action adventure kind of humour, um, pushing off the off the back of kind of the likes of your Marvel, which I do think the Marvel films have kind of the kind of the huge kind of gargantuan success of them has changed how people make these films because they created a blueprint that seemed to just work. But I do think that kind of now with films like the Marvel films and like as I say with Uncharted like there is a way of doing it that can just go in a slightly different direction you can push the bat a little bit more and it, I like the idea that these kind of films are making taking some risks and it's like that whole thing of like a commitment to the story and a commitment to the rules of D&D so it is interesting that kind of they're having those kind of more interesting thought processes around what to do with these different IPs in this genre. Well, I was playing a um, board game the other day, which is trying to do a, a similar thing in a way when we're talking about, you know, trying to iterate on things that people know, but also trying to offer a bit of a different experience have we all have we all played King Domino? Yes, you bought it for me. I did. I have not, but I have heard you talk about it. I think so. So, Peter, I know you definitely have played <laughs> King Domino because I first played it in 2017, which is the first time I ever went to Chance Encounters in Bristol. Ah, uh, yes. And it was that moment then that I we played this game. And I said to myself, I think Chris will really like this. And then we all clubbed together and bought it for Chris for his birthday in 2017. It's a lovely game. And for, I think, personally, the main mechanic of King Domino is probably one of the best game mechanics of recent of recent years. Like the, the central hook, which I will try and describe for you all now if you don't know. So King Domino is a, is a domino-based game. So just like in dominoes, where you're trying to match numbers up to other numbers, in King Domino, you're trying to match up landscapes with other landscapes. By selecting tiles in the middle, 
making sure that you've got little crowns on those landscapes because at the end of the day your biggest landscapes will be multiplied by the amount of crowns that are in those particular landscapes pretty pretty bare bones in terms of rules but the the actual main conceit of the game and what you do i think is just absolutely fascinating in the most simplest of ways so how the sort of the, the actual game works is that you have all these tiles which have all the landscapes on and each tile is assigned a number and the higher the number the more valuable that tile is so it'll have more crowns on it it might have more diverse landscapes it'll be easier to fit into your little tableau and what happens is you have um four of these landscapes face up on the table in ascending order so lowest to highest and then you have four landscapes next to that face down in ascending order so lowest to highest whoever's on the highest one so therefore quite a low sort of ranked landscape so it might not have any crowns on it it might have nothing special no features on the landscape that you could use goes first and they'll pick up that landscape but then they get to choose mm. which tile they will get access to on the next turn the next person takes their turn they choose the next person they take their turn they choose and the person who went last who therefore has got the 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 most prime real estate of the game has to end up with whatever's left which might be something that doesn't fit into their tableau at all, might be something that completely ruins their, their entire game and what they've been plotting. And I just think that simple concept of it's almost like I cut, you choose, just just absolutely sings. Like For me, it's just like infinitely beautiful in terms of... It's brutally fair. Yeah, it's utterly fair. It's clean, easy to understand design, and it, and it kind of keeps the game interesting at every single, every single stage. So since that game was released in 2016, there's been Queen Domino, mm -hmm. Dragon Onimo, um, King Domino Jewel, which is actually a, a superb two-player roll and write, um, if you're interested. And it's always usually quite super cheap. It's very, very good. And most recently, there's King Domino Origins, right. which is what I played the other day. And structurally it's still king domino you're still doing exactly the same things but it tries just to do enough little things to kind of justify its sort of existence within this kind of universe this king domino board game universe the kbu and it does that by becoming a modular board game so instead of there being one standard way of playing there's three standard ways of playing so there's like a core set of rules and then there's two bits that you can kind of bolt on or subtract in order to make it more or less complicated or offer different types of challenge. Right. But the main difference in how it plays is that you have these things called... Not these things. I mean, they are just you have just volcanoes. <laughs> okay. As you know, we're all the rage back in Stone Age times. Sort of gone out of fashion now. Couldn't move for them. Yeah. And so in the original game where you had crowns on your tiles that would multiply the points that you got and, and enable you to score for different lands, how this works is you've got flames on certain tiles. And if you pull up 
a tile that's got a volcano on, what that does is, depending on the level of the volcano, so one, two, or three, it will spit out a fireball that will then travel across your squares and land somewhere within your terrain, therefore providing more fire, more multiplier, and a higher score to that particular area that it lands on. I can see why you like this. Yes. <laughs> this is like, like, like it's like the roll and rights that you like, Sam, this this kind of game. It makes me think of like um, Railroad Inc. It makes me think of Railroad Inc. in terms yes. of it's not just I've got to think about where this place is now. I've got to think very far ahead in terms yeah. of how this all slots in to this bigger puzzle. Okay. Yeah, because because there's because whereas in vanilla King Domino, you're kind of waiting to see whether you could get a tile with a crown on it and hope that you could add it into a place that you've been building. So say you've got like lots of the grassy terrain, you've got seven of them, but no crowns within them. You're just hoping to get the bit that you need later on in the game. Here with volcanoes, it kind of gives you a bit of, well, if I can slot a volcano in here, I could send a fireball over into this terrain and suddenly this goes from scoring zero to scoring 30 points or whatever. And it's a nice little twist on something that has become quite familiar mm. that has made the game sort of it's just sort of breathed a, a sort of breath of fresh air into into a game that was always that was always fun but now it's got this like extra little puzzle to it and i guess at this point it, it belies on me to say like well, if I've got King Domino, do I need this? If you know, well, um, I, I was going to ask just from a from a slightly different angle. Like, if you're introducing someone yeah. to the King Domino universe, mm. um, would you would you suggest them them coming in at this kind of origins, or do, is it still vanilla dominoes that King Domino's the the way to go? Hmm. Good question. Good question. Um, I think so. I think, yeah, I think this could be a new way of introducing King Domino to people because of the flexibility that the Volcanoes gives in terms of you're getting frustrated because you're not, you've not got any crowns or you can't score the big land that you've been building. But hey, here's this thing that later on down the game might mean that something decides to pop off. <laughs> from from later on, uh, later on in the in the game like king domino does have a like a cleanness like is very kind of like this is a game and that's it and comes in a nice sort of svelte little box and, then, and i think there's there's something neat and tidy about that in terms of when you're introducing it to someone for the first time but what's good about king domino origins is there's room to grow within that design so there's like the base game but then these there's these two modules that you can kind of go well if you enjoyed that let's make it a little bit more spicy by buying people at a market and collecting resources all these kind of things so yeah it's a it's it's very much a game which is um iterative of the games that have gone before that of course it is because it's a king domino game but i think it might be the best way to start if you're interested in playing these games for the first time. For my Easter break, I'm 
very excited. You finally get to do whatever you've given up for Lent. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's def- yep. Yeah, uh, I have to think what it was I gave up, but yeah, I will. Um, I'll get to do that again. So I'm going to go to a restaurant called. <laughs> I think it's called the Cheese Platter. <gasps> okay. Uh, oh Christ! What does that sell? Sushi. That that's going to be on one of the days. One of the days, I'm going to a supermarket to do my week's shop, which is not something we normally do. We usually get our food delivered. Uh, on one of the days, we're going to go to um, a DIY shop and pick out some paint colours. I think I think it's important our- to state mm-hmm. that the the listener at home is not seeing the excitement in Pete's eyes. I don't, I'm not sure if that excitement is fully coming through the voice, but it's definitely there in the in the face. I'm just uh, we're going to go to a drive-through McDonald's, right? Be- yeah. Between the supermarket and the DIY shop, we're going to go to a drive-through McDonald's, and I'm going to have a strawberry milkshake. Oh thing. yes, right, yeah, the best of the milkshakes, the the best of the milkshakes. Um, and uh, you know, we'll have a we'll have a roast at some point. All of this stuff, which is not, it, it's very um, like classic bank holiday weekend stuff to do, right? Like, yeah. And one of the things that I'm going to be doing is I'm going to go for a nice long walk with Alex. Well, you're, you're going to need it after you've been to this cheese platter because yeah. I'm looking at the menu now. And um, yeah. can I just say, and this is not to be reductive about it, but I kind of am. But it's kind of the menu where they've gone, right, what's our big deal? All right, it's cheese. What are we going to cook? I don't know, but whatever we cook, just add cheese yep. to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so... Um, anyway, your walk. I'm your going... cheesy Your cheesy walk. Your cheesy milkshake walk. So I'll probably try to put the walk in between, before or after the restaurant. Um, and I've actually found a newfound enjoyment from walks. Even if it's just okay, good, well done. Even if even if it's just nipping down the shops, right? So, I am. I hate. To, I hate to surprise you. I'm criminally lazy. When I was younger, I I managed to be rake thin, but that was simply because my metabolism was going a thousand miles an hour. Been there. And now, mm-hmm. now I'm like, uh, uh, like I've seen you know I've seen a couple of pictures recently of me where I'm like, yeah. Well, in fact, there's some up on our Instagram where I have a fat neck, <laughs> and I was like, and I was basically like, great. So, um, so I want to get a little bit more exercise in, and and really the uh, that needs to start with walking because basically like I really haven't done much you know uh, much in the way of exercise and of course the way that I've done this is last time I was probably at my fittest is when we all decided that we would cycle do the cycle thing the cycle yeah, challenge around the houses challenge yeah around yeah, the houses sure. challenge we gamified it uh, the time before that was I was mucking around with uh, the Wii exercise games right so I was playing around with ring fit challenge so ring fit Oh yeah, great, great game. I found that gamifying this stuff is usually the way to keep me finding some sort of objective is the way for me to do exercise. So when I used to do martial arts, it was what's the objective? There's a ranking Gotta system. Beat him up. Get to the top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beat up the nerds. <laughs> yeah. um, so, um, but like you know, and that would I've I, I've realised that you know playing football, 
Like, I don't want any of that stuff. So anyway, walking, I've been doing this sort of stuff. And I've been getting into um, a video game recently called Pikmin Bloom. Oh, is that from the people who did Pokemon Go? It is from the same people what did that. And also, <laughs> for some reason, from the same people what did, N- I think it's NBA nba alive or nba around basically like it's a it's a game where you like wander around and find like nba stars <laughs> it's really odd um it's the, it's also the team that's gonna be bringing us and one of the reasons i'm kind of looking at this stuff now is because i'm interested in seeing what they do with um they're doing a, a niantic is doing a Catan version of this which is going to be like pokemon go no idea what that's going to look like but anyway so they've done all of those sorts of things i didn't i've never really given a toss about the pikmin franchise before which is like a a a light fairly lightweight real-time strategy game that kind of saw its life on gamecube and only recently has um had a a third version i think on the switch yeah but this one but the, the actual aesthetic of it has always kind of appealed right so the idea is that you've got these little weird colorful i think alien little creatures and they are also plants. And in Pikmin Bloom, they are born out of these little seeds that come in these little pots. And the way that you you sort of grow them is you you walk. And then for there are as many steps as you do, that counts towards the number of steps you need to grow this Pikmin. And then and then it's ready to be born. And so you pluck it out of its little pot and then they follow you around the world. So when you go for a walk, they come with you and they're finding little fruits for you. And when you give them the fruits, they grow things out of their head and then uh, they're little flowers. And then when you tap on them, the flowers fall off of their head and they fall into a little pot. And then you have a load of petals that you uh, spread around as you walk. So now when you next go for a walk, you put your little flower planting mode on and suddenly you're putting flowers into the into the world. And it's all using this map data. So I'm walking around, you know, where I live and in the map for this, I can see where other people are also playing ah. Pikmin Bloom. So it's not just your house you're walking around. So it's not just my house that I'm walking around, though I must admit I, that has previously been most of the stuff. And it's it it's really appealing to this deep sense of cutesy, cozy game, but also pushing me out the door a little bit. Like, like every once in a while I'll find myself saying, do we need something from down the shops? I'll, <laughs> I'll go for a walk. <laughs> Just pouring the peanut butter in the bin. Oh, no. Yeah. Empty oh. again. Hey, have you smashed another jar? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there... Because um, I know with Pokemon Go, there's things called the gyms, which yeah. were specific locations in, in the real world. Yeah. So it, you were kind of encouraged to go to a certain location rather than... Yeah. Um, just walking around things that you know. So it, is that happening in, in Pikmin Bloom as well? Do you, Is there places that you can specifically go and adventure towards and explore for the first time? So there definitely are. I don't know if they're quite as like impactful as the, as the gyms, but um, one of the things I really love is, so there are like special locations, and I don't know how it's picking this data, but they are things in the world around you that are special in some way 
right? So there are locations where there are photos of these locations. And this is going to sound really boring to us, but probably sounds quite fun for people who don't live in the UK. But um, obviously, Britain has red post boxes, right? And they're quite iconic, uh, those red post boxes. And there's a GR. uh, So that would be what, George, George, George Regina? So that would be like like turn of the 20th century, maybe earlier than that, I want to say. Yeah, in fact, it would have been turn of the 20th century. Well, right? be, it wouldn't be George Regina, it'd be George Rex. George Rex. Go on. Sorry, everyone. I'll be I'll be <laughs> headed to the chopping block at some point. Um, but yeah, George Rex, um, there's one of those relatively near me. And so there's a photo, someone's taken a photo of this post box, and you can go and visit it. And if one of your Pikmin go and visit it, then they will bring back a postcard from the day that they went to the post box. <laughs> um, but this is also other things, like there's a, a location near me that I, I'm like, what the hell is that? Like I genuinely, I have no idea what it is. It's called something like Echo. And it's a. it looks like an old structural building, but I have no idea where it is. It is not super far away from me. It's within the within a couple of miles walking distance. I have no idea what it is. So at some point, I'm going to head out that way and go and find out what is this thing. And again, my little Pikmin will come back from this thing. They'll have a little postcard. And you get that postcard added in. And the postcard is the photo and then the Pikmin hanging out around, around the actual like, item itself. It's really cute. Yeah, I just I it works really really nicely, and it's always lovely to see another level of the map, like another level of the reality that you're in. Right, this a, this idea of like an augmented reality. I'm wandering around. And if I didn't have this Pikmin Pikmin Bloom, um, then obviously you know just be normal real world, lovely. But because I do, I can see the paths that other players are taking. And I can it, it gives me this really weird sense of wonder of like, I see this all the time. I reckon this is someone's commute. And I have no idea. I have no idea if that's the case. But it, it's just that connectedness thing mm. that it does really nicely. I think that over the uh, many, many episodes we've done, we've all at some point done that thing where we've started playing something or we've started watching something and we've said, you know what, guys, this is amazing, this is great, and perhaps we've we've perhaps pulled the trigger a little too early. Perhaps some more than others. And then we've said, this is brilliant, this is brilliant, and then actually once we kind of continue watching it, one of us perhaps does it more than others. Uh, um. I think we've all done that. And so there's, there is there is a program I've been watching, which although I was confident I would enjoy, I was confident it was going to be good. I've held off mentioning it until I've finished it, just so I can mm. be sure. He's not even mentioned it, everyone. Mentioned it. Yeah, just exactly. to himself. Yeah. Uh, and, it's, and, it's, and it's a show that you will all be aware of. I don't know if you've all watched it. And that show is uh, The Last of Us. Uh, okay. Yep. Okay. Great. Because... Uh, the Last of Us is probably my favourite game of all time. Um, Pete, I know it's not one of yours. It's just not your bag, and that's okay. I still love yep. you. It's all right. Um, but it is probably my favourite game of all time. And when they announced it a good long while ago, there was a sense of like, you know what? Yeah, if you're gonna turn a video game into a 
TV show, Last of Us is a pretty good place to go. Agreed. And then when we you, you heard the kind of they were very much involved. So Neil Druckmann is one of the the showrunners of that. What I would what I would say about the uh, show because I'm not going to go into it in great detail, mainly because um, the the show follows the game. So if you've played the game, you know what's going to happen. Pardon? The big spaceship comes down. The aliens come out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they made that really weird decision right at the end. Um, but you know, Crash Bandicoot rocks yeah, up. Yeah, the dog ending. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, Jack and Daxter appear and they're just like, sorry, guys. <laughs> Nolan North is on the beach again for some reason. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, they're not like that's the thing. They don't, they very much stick to the story of what The Last of Us was to the point that at times it is almost like they have, they are taking shot for shot remakes from the game, which kind of in certain areas you might think is not a good idea. But I think with The Last of Us, mm. because of the nature of what that game was, I remember us, and this is probably going back years now, talking about kind of the idea of um, remaking things like Uncharted or The Last of Us as as shows and films and stuff. And I think, Sam, you saying, like, if you want to watch the film of Uncharted, you just play the game Uncharted, because that's what those are. Like, yeah. the Uncharted games were yeah. films. The Last of Us game is, like, a, like a high production value heavy miniseries that's what it that's what actually yeah. genuinely what it yeah, is yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. that's what it was kind of designed around to be and so one thing i took from from watching this show is it really cemented how good the writing is because it it stays really close to what the game does and it's still able to get that really nuanced character development that goes through the game that that the scenes the moments it manages to capture them and in a game where there is a lot of killing in the last of us there is a lot of killing there is very little killing in the show but as a result of that the tension that it is able to create in certain things like i felt just as tense watching the show as i did like playing the games like the first time in the show, you are introduced to the clicker enemy is incredibly tense, just like just like it is in the game. And so it's really kind of testament to the kind of the people who have made it. So it's it's, it's uh, Neil Druckmann and um, Craig Mazin, who are the showrunners, kind of creators of that. So Craig Mazin, who also did Chernobyl, which was oh, yeah. incredible a number of years ago. So equally upbeat. Kind of, yeah. Um, so, so they're the guys that kind of and hot tub time machine and and that as well. Yeah, I see the the big three. Um, <laughs> but like the, the, such a good pedigree and having Neil Druckmann in there, who had does have absolute that kind of cinematic kind of um, yeah. He the, yeah. that that's his kind of joie de vivre yeah. as it as it already is. Um, so having that, having it stick so closely to the game, has been just so impressive. The the casting of Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey as kind of Joel and Ellie—they are just perfectly cast. Um, and I was just really taken by how impressed I was. I watched it with my my wife, and my wife is not really into she she enjoys kind of the narrative games that I play, but kind of the scarier stuff. Which obviously, The Last of Us is scary, and there are parts of the the show which are very scary. Mm. Um, but she absolutely loved it as well, and it and it takes a couple of detours away from the story at times, Good. but all of them feel earned. All of them feel kind of well done. Um, it had like 
there are certain kind of big cultural TV shows. I'm looking at, thinking of something like Game of Thrones, where you have something where an episode comes out and kind of the internet is a buzz because some like something important has happened in that episode. Not so much an event, but kind of like that episode is important culturally for that. So you th- with Game of Thrones, you think something like the Red Wedding was like a huge thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. And there is an episode of The Last of Us, and I'm not going to discuss anything about it. There is an episode of The Last of Us that had that same thing where every everyone was talking about it and people saying, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And it it was kind of absolutely stunning. And as a show, from beginning to end, it has just, like, I have just loved it. And mm. I've, obviously this comes from the game as well. And it was a really weird experience for me knowing the game. And then as I watch it, knowing how closely it was, how, how true it was staying to the game. So I knew what was going to happen. And kind of those tension bits, kind of my wife doesn't like it when it gets really tense. She doesn't like that feeling. So I was able to say to her, like, this is what's going to happen. And so she got to enjoy it more because she was like, okay, even though it might be something bad was going to happen, she like, if I know that's coming, in the same way that like me and you, Pete, talk about our horror movies, if I know yeah, yeah, what's yeah. coming, yeah. I can enjoy it then because I don't have to worry about mm. it. You were the guy sat behind Chris in the in the Dungeons and Dragons movie <laughs> going, well, I think what you'll find is this is a very clever reference to the bit where <laughs> it was me. Um, I've got a question for you because I'll, I'll, I'll keep it positive. <laughs> Sounds great. You said it follows the the game. Mm-hmm. Does it follow part one or does it follow both of the parts? It's all of part one. Right. Okay. So there's another series in it then. It's incredibly almost one for one. So there's 10 chapters in part one, 11 if you include Left Behind, and there were nine episodes of the season, right. which includes Left Behind. So they get rid of a couple of the filler chapters, should I say? Yeah. Um, but you know where you are chronologically in the game follows on pretty much episode by episode like each episode represents a chapter of the game from beginning to end which is quite a testament I think to the to the general pacing of of what The Last of Us is I mean speculation of what they'll do has been commissioned for a second season they didn't know they were going to get a second season until this was until this was released, but I'm suspecting that they'll split part two into two more seasons because that pretty much is, I think there's so much more story to tell. But I think what I liked about it most was the changes that they made to the actual telling of The Last of Us. I think the changes that they that they make to the story, knowing that... There doesn't have to be fighting and killing and violence at every single corner and step of the way makes it a much more enjoyable experience. So much so that people have come up to me and gone, oh, this sounds really good. Should I play the game first? And I've gone, no, nah, don't play the game. Just watch this. Like, what's the point? Like, this is this is a now kind of superior product in terms of if you want to get, if you want to be familiar with a story and like even stuff they've done in terms of like changing how the cordyceps works and how the cordyceps spreads was a really interesting and part of part of the mythology that they've kind of actually built on and grown 
It's a pretty good show. Well done, Craig Mason. He is amazing. Amazing. Good work, sir. It's, it's good. Yeah, I, I think the, the kind of the the points you mentioned there, like within the first five minutes of it starting, I feel like I had a better understanding of the Cordyceps virus than playing kind of that first game, and that kind of immediately kind of your brain goes off in a, in a different direction then like i'm i'm someone who because as i say it's my favorite game i played the first one i bought the remastered version i played that i'm very tempted to buy the last of us part one which is the kind of the brand new however like this i started watching this series and i was in absolutely in that mindset especially as i was experiencing this world again i was like i want i want more of this i want to play the game again by the time i got to the end of it i kind of feel like i've had that experience i've had that experience it's taken me through it's given me the highs it's given me the lows it's it's done all of this um and in the same way that it expands on the cordyceps just the world is expanded with the game you you are in for 90 percent of the game you are in joel's shoes and you walk joel's path whereas this yes you follow joel and ellie for the majority of the time but there are times where the camera pans away and it follows someone else. And you get a bit more conversation around the fireflies. You have a bit more understanding of who they are. You have a bit more understanding of Tommy, like Joel's brother and his group and what they're going through. And there are, there are new groups introduced who, because Fedra, it kind of the, the military presence in the game doesn't really exist to the same level in the show. That's, that's kind of largely been cut. So there are certain people who kind of are brought in to represent that in different ways. It seems strange that, you would need after having however many hours playing the game that you benefit for having more time with these characters to just sit and enjoy that world you need that in the tv show don't you because when you're playing a video game you're going i'm joel i've got to take this person to this person to complete the game and like that's your motivation and you know it however in a tv show you've got to do some of that in order to justify the motivation for someone to do it like they do go through great pains to make to show how much joel doesn't want to do this Mm -hmm. and doesn't doesn't want to be part of it however in a video game you just just do it because (laughs) because that's what the game is all about because you paid 50 quid for it yeah 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 And, and i think there's something interesting there because obviously when you're playing a game particularly for story heavy filmic games such as the last of us and a lot of naughty dogs catalog there is a kind of an almost an even more or less an even mix between the ergodic elements the mechanics and the non-ergodic elements mm-hmm. so story and to see the ergodic stripped away where your level of interaction is watching and pressing plays very interesting because I'm yeah. not just playing it thinking as Joel thinking well yes I've got to get this person made to be but I've only got six bullets and I'm also looking around in terms of, you know, you know how I play, Sam, Pete, Dan. A lot of my playing mm-hmm. happens very mm-hmm. slowly. And I, I'm I'm kind of in two minds as whether I want to see this series or not, really. I would be more interested if it was set in the world of The Last of Us, like a different story, say, that may dovetail with this one from the game. Because uh, unless it's doing something completely bonkers with it it feels like a very beautiful almost akin to Gus Van Sant's Psycho to a degree it and obviously I've not seen Uh. this series but that was my kind of worry about it being well as you say Dan lots of the shots are repeated 
Um, and it, I'm not trying to say one medium's better than the other. That's not the point here, really. It's just that in terms of what it adds, I'm kind of struggling, really. And I'm my big worry, kind of, I suppose maybe Pete preempting a question you were making about part two. What I worry about that is they do part two, that they feel this pressure to do like a revisionist version of it because part, you know, The Last of Us Part Two was quite a polarizing, quite controversial game. Hmm. And I could imagine a lot of people thinking, oh yeah, do part two, but do it the way it should have been done, please. And this, uh, yeah. yeah. That's what I feel. I I mean, yeah, that that's going to be a different, that's going to be a, a difficult one because you, I think, the creative team behind it will have to pick through the noise to find the signal over what people actually didn't like about the second one versus what mouth breathers didn't like about the second one. That, the, the second one's the second one's tricky because part of that part of the second one's sort of shtick is about like violence begetting violence and about um you know, bearing a grudge and the the ridiculousness of that. However, as Dan was saying, like that's almost been stripped out of out of uh, this TV series. And though there though there is violence, like they go through great pains to justify it when it needs to, and it's a matter of survival. Unlike the video games, where it's a matter where it's a, almost feels like a matter of gratuity, and it's a matter of um, it's a matter of mechanics like when ellie stabs and grots a guy and it's almost kind of like well you didn't need to do you know you could just you know whatever just tie him up knock him out whatever um that's going to be the interesting part of where they land thematically with the second one like because they've not actually built up those themes in the first one and i don't think there's going to be the sudden change to full-on full-on violence no you know in the second one mm. it'd be like either. it'd be like watching like back-to-back shakespeare like later shakespeare and then be like right titus andronicus let's have that <laughs> let's have a yeah. let's have a crack on that <laughs> and it's like yeah watching some historic the, the historical plays. yeah yeah exactly and then there's just let's bake him in a pie and eat him so as we record this as a beautiful full moon um, shining down down upon us. Uh, consequently, in the week where NASA um, announced the new crew who are going to be stepping upon the moon, or at least going to the moon for the first time in like not the new not the new video game. The what crew? new video game? The crew. The video game. The crew. Right. Okay. The crew is a four year old video game at this point, Dan. It's still a it's still a valid joke that I made. It's really not. You've done very badly there, Dan. Considering considering there's already a crew too. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, as I said it, I knew the crew to exist. So I thought this is a flaw in my plan. Also, there's literally a game called To the Moon. Like you could have gone with that. Yeah, I know. It's actually reminded me of that great survey of <laughs> that great survey. <laughs> that great survey. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's an incredible survey where they asked people if it was guaranteed that you could go to the moon and come back and your safety was 100% guaranteed, would you go? And I'm going to get it up, yeah. I'm get it up now because it is it's the best survey. For me, the best thing about it is they, they, there was a follow-up question. 
So it was your safety would be guaranteed, right? hundred percent. So the hypothetical situation is you're definitely coming back. You're going there, doing a thing, coming back, guaranteed. And some people said no. And there's a follow-up question as to why they said no. That's, that's the one. Yeah. That's where the gold lies. <laughs> So here we go. The, the, ten, the 10 reasons why Britons wouldn't want to go to the moon, even if their safe return were guaranteed. Oh, of course it was us. So, um, Of course it was us. Respondents answered in their own words, which we've categorised below. This is, this is a YouGov poll, oh. so it's pretty fish. Um, Thanks, Bez, buddy. So um, figures shown are as in a percentage of those who said who would not go to the moon. So all of these people said they would not go to the moon, and then they had to give a, a reason. Um, so, quite surprisingly, quite very surprisingly, um, you know, people at the four five percent are saying things like, you know, just genuine fear, like they don't like flying. Fair enough. You know, resources could be better used on Earth. Fine. Um, I get. They, it. Were, they were scared. <laughs> uh, it would take too long to get there. Too far away. You yeah. know. Nine percent just rejected the premise that safe return could be guaranteed. Now, now let's now let's be let's be completely clear. Of course, British people said that. Of course. Now, it imagine a hypothetical situation. Yeah, you're completely safe. Okay, I don't believe you. Like, <laughs> like yeah, it's not conscription. It's not like if you sign your name, someone's good. It's not like you know when they used to put shillings in people's tankards to get them into the navy. You're yeah. not going to suddenly wake up in a spacesuit. <laughs> yeah, on a launch pad. Be up for it. Nine um, percent said no point. No point. Um, no point. Just the moon. No point to feel. Why bother? You know the sublime. I can see it from here. The majority of people, twenty-three percent, just said they weren't interested, which is all you know. Fair enough. I think I think my favourite bit of this of this poll is the eleven percent of people who said the reason why they wouldn't go to the moon, um, even if their safe return was guaranteed, was that there was nothing slash not enough to see or do on the <laughs> That's moon. That's amazing. No gift That's, shop. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Where's the McDonald's? I'd just be bored. <laughs> You're on like, the moon. What am I going to see? What's there to see? But I'll happily go on a cruise where it's just nothing but the ocean. <laughs> wow. Just like, what would you see? Oh, I'd rather go to Marbella. Yeah, of course. Of course you would. <laughs> Two for one. So if you also wouldn't want to go to the moon and have some idea as to why that was, uh, we can rip the pen of that if you email <laughs> stayinginpod at gmail.com yeah what's the best reason you can come up with to not visit the moon oh yeah this is good this sounds like a local radio competition <laughs> it does doesn't yeah. it it's great and but you don't win a trip yeah, to the moon just to be clear again we will not be sending you to the moon um facebook we're on there so you can send it there too twitter or doge or whatever it's called now um that's that's also oh. available uh you can send us a message there uh, Instagram, we post pictures. I think you can send us messages there. Um, yeah, you definitely can. Yeah, can you? yeah. Um, you can do that too. Uh, you can if you. Our airlock is open. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're on YouTube, because suddenly you've realised that podcasts are on YouTube, our podcast is on YouTube, and you're in the comments, leave a comment there. Uh, do all that sort of stuff, uh, and obviously you can follow us while you're there. Um, what else can people do? 
if whilst you're traveling to the moon, yeah. you need something to listen to, then you can always listen to some of Chris's incredible Spotify playlists. Will you be adding music from um, Dungeons and & Dragons and Last of Us? Yeah, there's a track called Fembershord, which is named after the big dragon from D&D. Sweet. Fembershord. Ah, yeah, sounds good. So there's a track from there. And obviously The Last of Us has banging music, as we all oh, know. Oh, yeah. No. Correct. Ah, oh, bang Correct. it. Um, it properly slaps. <laughs> yeah, it does. So uh, Chris will be adding some music, music to the Spotify playlist that he cu- that he curates yeah. on Spotify. They're a bit difficult to find, but if you just go to our show notes, then you can just get uh, linked to them uh, directly. No biggie. In fact, where you're listening right now, there is a link. It might be buried somewhere, but in the description, you can go there from yes. where you are right now. Internet's best kept secret. Uh, yep, for sure. Um, you know, if you've got yourself a Steam Deck, it's a long time to get up to the moon. <gasps> oh, you know, yes. you know, you could take your Steam Deck with you. It might not last the entire trip, but uh, you could play some games on the way there, <laughs> and you could take a look at our Steam um, curator list. And basically, it's got all the games that we talk about on there and why we why we like them. And it also links back mm-hmm. to the podcast, so you can hear more about them if you're like, oh, I didn't realize they talked about. Shin-chan and the particularly long title. Um, yeah, great we game. did. And we'll, we'll show you where that is uh, through that as well if you want that. And yeah. we're on Board Game Geek, but apparently the podcast thing we isn't are. really updating itself all that much. But we are there. Go to Board Game Geek. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and that's pretty much everything, I reckon. The eagle has landed. It's one small step. No. Stop. To infinity and beyond. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs>